Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help their fellow men, hoping we can make try and make it better. Uh, but sometimes is harder than other times. And uh, this week, I think a lot of people, especially here in America, are feeling like it's really hard to make it much better. Um, only because it's hard to get this event that uh, happened last weekend, uh, shooting in Las Vegas, where uh, now we know 59 people died, and uh, there may be more since there are some who are critically wounded in the hospital. Hundreds wounded, over 500, uh, one of the counts I heard. Um, This was... uh, uh, one of the one of the most bizarre and craziest kind of uh, eruptions of of human violence on on people on innocent people that we've seen, and the more we find out about uh, the shooter, the more we go we scratch our heads and go, what on earth possessed this man to do this kind of thing? And uh, so we're all full of questions, and it's hard not to think about this because we have uh, images in our mind. We have the sounds that won't go away, the stories that we're hearing. And, uh, uh, you know, People are dying all over the world in very worse situations than this. But for some reason, here in America, this kind of thing uh, captures us uh, like crazy. And it might be just so bizarre and so beyond our uh, ability to imagine what it must have been like. And uh, so... It's hard to make sense of it, but we're going to try. We're going to at least talk through some of this. And to help us do it, I have asked, I guess we've had uh, two or three times before, he's a good friend of ours. He's now on our board of directors of The Catch. Uh, He is our favorite, I call him our favorite millennial, Alexander Klein. Alex, welcome back to The Catch on Blog Talk Radio. Alex, I'm going to try that one more time because I Uh-oh. had your microphone off. <laughs> so, That's all welcome good. to the catch on <laughs> Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure, and uh, 
yeah, I wish that we were speaking under better circumstances. I know, I know. Um, where do we begin, uh, Alex? Um, how, you know, what, what, what's going on? Why do people do this? Do we have any idea? Uh, is it the attention? Is it the media? Uh, I'm sure that there isn't one reason, but uh, uh, I don't know. What are some of your thoughts uh, on 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 why people do this? Um, as a millennial, you understand the world from a different viewpoint than than I do. Let me just add this. Uh, you know, being uh, so much older than you, I, I can I can remember when this kind of thing would have been completely beyond anybody's mind or imagination. It never happened. Why did it never happen then? You know, it's like no one would ever think of doing this kind of thing. It was just off the map. Now it's 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 well, I, I saw. Uh, I saw actually a uh, graphic in the New York Times today that showed that in the last 477 days, that's uh, since January of 2016, there have been 521 mass shootings in 477 days. And they're, they're calling a mass shooting uh, Anything over four people, four people or over injured or killed in one shooting. And uh, I, I, I bet nobody knows, knew that the numbers are that high because it's beginning to be so commonplace. This just happens all over the country, and we just don't print up every one of these. Um, what on earth is going on? Do you have any thoughts about it, Alex? I wish I knew what was going on, but I could definitely postulate that among all the different variables that are going at play, if we look at the people who are perpetrating these mass shootings and just look at the statistics, um, a lot of them happen to be of a certain demographic, although this new shooter is a little bit older than the, the average case. But I do believe that there are parallels with their... I would say I, I just I, I think that we're dealing with a lot of people who may feel boxed in or isolated, and I think that with the advent of technology and all of this instantaneous communication and us always being connected to social media and reading information so quickly, our attention span and our, our patience and measured time that we allow ourselves to respond in has also exponentially quickened. So we're, I, I think that we're partially dealing with people who are hyper-stimulated, and I think all of us are overstimulated by these devices. But the other thing is, is I do believe that a lot of these individuals perpetrating acts like this feel genuinely as if they are no longer a part of something, either society, their country, people, they feel very alone. I think that's what causes uh, people to kind of grasp for 
some of the more violent or extreme groups or even, you know, the, the nonviolent groups, just all hmm. these demonstrations and stuff like that. It's that need for wanting to be connected. Now with this individual, there's so much conflicting information and it is so rapid with how much information that's contradicting itself is being released that I'm going to try and be very, very cautious with any sort of, uh, estimations as to what was going through his head more of just trying to draw relation to other mm-hmm. events that have occurred and how this, this this is one of the most major the major shootings that we have ever experienced as, as a, a population yes especially in the numbers but when it comes to how we we gauge this like we we, we say it in modern history and something that my dad was bringing up to me is that you know, when, when stuff like this occurs and it's the National Guard or the military or anything of the organized sort, we don't really aggregate it into the category of mass shootings. And so a mass shooting has uh, had occurred at the turn of the century in the late 1800s that uh, a lot of people my age wouldn't know about, but uh, wounded knee to bring that up. That had occurred for a reason that I think we could draw relation to this reason, which is resources and people's lack thereof, perhaps, or the Mm. need to acquire resources. And I think that Mm. these violent reactions come out of a scarcity, and maybe it's a scarcity in uh, culture or people having good – community structures, having like a church or having a neighborhood that they feel a part of, whatever that may be. But once you start to feel more and more isolated, you it's easier to start to look at other human beings as not being a part of yourself. And that's something that our country has historically done with the Native American tribes, and we had done with other groups of people. Mm-hmm. Now it is such a tipping point that this individual who is of the same race and is the same He could be of the same political affiliation. We don't know, but of the same race and of the same national identity, being an American, not viewing these other people Mm -hmm. as being human or American. What that tells me is that we are at a new epoch, basically, of isolation in our minds. We feel so quarantined that it is even easier now to do this, whereas – I do believe that in your generation and my father's generation, you would still look at the person that you're doing whatever with and know that it's a human being and know that yeah. you're, you know, you're looking at an American. And now we are plagued with, oh, well, they're alt-right, they're alt-left, Antifa, Nazi, Republican, Democrat, liberal, libertarian, and then you have – you know. Everything else in between with people not even identifying as Americans and preferring to identify as either their cultural identity first and foremost to preserve their ancestry's roots or people feeling alienated by this country and its ideals so that they don't even want to claim the American citizenship because America has been so less than gracious to its own citizens. Hmm. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, the, that isolation makes a lot of sense, uh, especially in this 
particular relationship because uh, I, I this this guy was uh, what four hundred yards away uh, at, uh, from the people, so he had really no contact with with any of these people as human beings. He was just firing on a crowd. It, it seemed to me, and you know, he was not looking at anyone's faces. Um, it, it was a, it, it was just a, 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 a random uh, trying to kill as many people as he possibly could in a short period of time, knowing that probably he was going to take his own life at the end. Um, uh, that's what it looks like to me. I mean, I'm going to go down and I'm going to take as many people down as I can, but uh, you know, from from 400 yards away, I don't even have to encounter those people. I don't even have to know what they look like. Yeah, it's definitely, it, it, it goes hand in hand with it, where he, he didn't have to endure any of the emotional consequence in that moment, nor right. I also, also with that whole idea of I'm going to take as many people with me as possible, that lends me to believe that that's kind of somebody yearning for a connection. Because somebody who's truly isolated, truly feels disconnected, would would just go and do something more, or not more, but do something grave to themselves and disconnect themselves from our life or our reality. But at least it would be in their own pursuit of escape. So somebody who wants to escape this world and bring a bunch of people or take as many people with them as possible makes me feel like they really were afraid and alone and they wanted uh, quite the opposite. I know it's weird. We can, uh, yeah, yeah, it is, but that's a very interesting thought. Um, well, you know, do you think, do you think we can, can we somehow people like this do you think or can we maybe be on the lookout or can we can we do something um, that might at least prevent uh, one or two of these things from happening if if we uh, care for people in a certain way you understand what I'm trying to say yeah I, I think that maybe Psychologically, not all of us, unless we pursued a degree in psychology or some form of mental health studies, we may not be qualified to properly identify this behavior, but there can right. be an oversight with the individuals who do have access to this hardware or these tools or these weapons, whatever language we want to use to identify it, because they're all True. It is a tool and a piece of hardware, and it is also certainly a weapon. But regardless, similar to how you have to be qualified by a regulatory body and supervising group that is put into place by our state and federal governments to drive a vehicle on our roads, and you need to have a license and have undergone testing and basically safety and handling uh, education. Not to say that currently 
we don't have mm-hmm. like if you were to go for a handgun in California, you have to go through uh, a very lengthy, well, not lengthy in 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 comparison to other countries, but a very long and educational process informing you of proper hand, uh, proper firearms handling and uh, storage. But going further than that, if we were to have, let's say that if you were to own a gun and we required you to submit to, similar to how Canada will do a review of your mental health status and will be alerted if there's any sort of domestic violence or change in employment or financial disparity. Mm-hmm. Those things can flag the regulatory body that doesn't go out and march with the, you know, the lawman and the rangers mm-hmm. to take away your gun, but instead what they do is they reach out to your friends and family and they reach out to you and they just talk to you. And they interview you, uh, their own independent assessment of your well-being. But what that also does is it provides even the simplest stroke of the ego saying that there's somebody out there that cares about you. Because whenever this happens, this is always triggered by a sudden change or event in their life. Now, it's hard to balance civil liberties with that type of auditing. But we do know that there are there are so many different variables at play with just how this individual was able to execute this level mm-hmm. of attack. And he was using modified firearms. Now, the modifications to these firearms aren't that complicated to do. So again, it's really just boiling down to the actual ownership in the vehicle itself with the firearm being the vehicle, so to speak. And so I think that Maybe as we take gradual steps, besides the the obvious ones with requiring a deeper mental health and background checks on individuals who are to go out and actively just suddenly purchase firearms or even the ownership of firearms itself, we, we should start to look at maybe getting into the more financial-backed realms, too, of kind of requiring more responsible adults to even have these devices like i know that if you had to require insurance and a licensing and all of these measures that that allow for other individuals to come into contact with you as opposed to just going and purchasing this firearm and going face to face with somebody at a store and then filling out some paperwork and waiting two weeks or if you're in most states of this country, then just buying it online and having it shipped to your local pawn shop or gun store. There should be more individuals that get to make, an, as you said, like an, in a, an appraisal or a just simple face-to-face meeting with somebody where you get to assess them. Also, yeah. if we were to really consider all in – it's not like anybody who's supporting deeper gun control is saying get rid of shotguns or rifles that you would use for hunting or even self-defense weapons that are, you know, handguns that are limited to a certain round size. What people are more alarmed at is heavy assault, military level, all-out war pieces of equipment 
being so easily modified from something that would otherwise be benign as a basic rifle. And I think that the armaments are, it's, it's a very slippery slope because we, our laws are so rooted in a time where there wasn't as many different flavors to choose from with your arms, quote unquote, or the right to bear arms had been properly defined because the United States wasn't fully the United States yet. And we were subject to colonialism and invasion. So to protect the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. they imagined that it would be the, in the best interest to have subsidized weapons or hardware issued to the people. And that's how the second amendment was initially handled is that most of these individuals or the Commonwealth or the militiamen were all using government issue muskets and everybody had one as a part of that agreed civil defense theory. Now we're at a completely different level with how we interpret those laws in that practice. We are at a completely different level at our threat or being at threat from hostile powers invading us. And we're also not dealing with muskets that fire once and then takes about a minute and 30 seconds to two minutes to reload, much less not even having the range of 150, 200 yards. So there's so many layers by defining that. I mean, we have to go through the law itself, the reasons for the law, and then renovate it in interpreting rapid-fire gas or piston-based systems that allow for the expenditure of, what, what would you say, 60 to 100 rounds a minute? I mean, it's, and we're not even getting into the illegal modification realm, just something that out of the box could theoretically level an entire city block, not like, you know, destroying the, the buildings and stuff, but going through the walls, hitting anybody who's in a car, anybody on the street. This type of hardware wasn't around back then. And I'm a big proponent of the Second Amendment. Don't get me wrong. But I have no purpose unless I were to be under the employment of the civil, like local law enforcement, state state department or federal level, or even the U.S. military. Any of those withstanding – I have no reason personally to see why I would have to argue for something of that caliber. I'm rather content with my bolt action rifle because I don't want to shoot a bunch of shots. I want to control every shot and make sure that it's measured and see that's somebody who is looking at it as a tool and for practical hunting purposes or perhaps even their own appreciation of the ingenuity of it and being raised very American, I'll admit. However, <laughs> this the, the, the need for clones of the AR-15 or things designed off the AR-15 or the AK-47 or whatever other firearm you want to say, anything that is ejecting this many rounds beyond the standard 30 round clip, like we're going into the, you know, the drum clips and all these other modifications to do even more damage. That's when you really, really want to start paying attention. And yeah. if we, I mean, if 
if we were to simply just accept and identify the elephant in the room, which is you can't say that, oh, well, if everybody were armed, they would have returned fire, as I had initially joked about in the past about certain shooting events before this. Now, in this Mm -hmm. event, there were many people who were armed who did not return fire, who, and that's not because of anything more than common sense in saying that they didn't know exactly where he was shooting from, even if you could have caught the muzzle flare. They didn't know exactly. So something my dad brought up, that if everybody just pulled out their guns and started returning fire, what do you think would have happened? An all-out gun battle with, I mean, it would have just, insurmountable chaos would have ensued. Then the other logical response, which most of the individuals who were present and were armed were feeling, is that if they were to draw their weapon and actively engage in any degree, they ran a very high likelihood of the police and the police response interpreting them as being a part of this event. So practically speaking, it's not going to help us if we have this level of uncoordination that's already pre-allotted into the circumstances. We have to have a little bit of faith in our, our structure and our system. Be it if, if anything, we, we would have to look at why these laws were put into place in the first place, how to have them evolve over time and how to even activate the public so that they are no longer just these fleeing defenseless individuals that the cops were, I don't know if you heard it, but the cops were locking their, their squad cars because people were trying to grab shotguns to defend themselves because in this chaos, it wasn't assumed that there was only one individual firing. This was most of those people were probably thoroughly convinced that there was some form of major terrorist attack occurring. And so the the need to defend yourself could be inspired, and I understand why those individuals would go for the shotguns. This wasn't some, like, purely angry mob type thing. This is a legitimate fear and reactions to our our media. So what I'd imagine is is that if people – if we're going to keep using firearms and we're going to keep the right for people to own them, we should have a way to identify ourselves, especially with the technology that's out there – and even incorporate more of this incredibly smart technology to our hardware. Because, I mean, we've already demonstrated the ability to lock firearms down so that they cannot be engaged until a certain geolocation, be it into a war zone, or if they are primed and activated with, like, uh, basically commanding officers or people who are, staging and organizing some of these threat response teams would then give a go ahead, just like how your airplanes and your, uh, your boats with very serious defense hardware are, you don't just suddenly press a button and then missiles come out. You know, there is a a whole layer of command that relays the the need and we can we don't have to make it totally carbon copy but that's just another idea to propose is that we do have technology we could create biometric authentication as well as we could create districts or zones that would just 
otherwise disable the ability to use these weapons unless you would have, of course, the illegal modifications. But ultimately, getting people into that realm of us at least appreciating how easy it is to take these guns and perpetrate these crimes, just like it is to take a car and run over a bunch of people. And that's the whole thing is that there needs to be greater liability insurance or assurance for people when every individual can so freely grab these things. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, uh, it's, it's very complicated. Um, and uh, as you say, I think, you know, certainly a different world than, than our founding fathers envisioned. Um, and and uh, so we need to rethink through everything. I, we're, we're getting, um, getting close to having our time up here. Um, I, I really would like to hear you talk about this, this one thing, Alex, because I, I've been, I, I've really been impressed with um, how you generally have a positive attitude towards the future. Uh, I think you have a positive attitude towards politics. You really think that you can make a difference and uh, that we can change things for the better. Um, and I would say that I, you know, you have a certain uh, hope for for the future, and especially based on your generation of millennials. Um, how does this has this affected? Has what uh, this kind of thing uh, affected any of those attitudes and made you feel maybe any less that way? I would only say that it. And not just this event, although I am very, like, watching the footage and seeing the pictures of the individuals who are covering each other to, to help even strangers was very simultaneously moving and also just absolutely broke my heart and it was devastating. The only thing I would say is that I am a little concerned with our reaction to the information that is being spread and how malleable our reactions are based on very, very initial assessments of, of, of data. And so the only thing that I would say going for, for my hope and maybe anything detracting from it is that I, I do feel like we're going to have to be more vigilant going forward with our fact verifications and our date or time stamping of certain information and knowing when things are less current or if not more let's say, rushed and it not independently fact-checked or with sources that are clearly cited or, or yeah. defined. I, uh, I do think that we still have so much going for us as a population, just as a human species speaking, because there are many, many innovations that are coming forward. It's just that the problem with us being affiliated with each other and engaging in open forums and talking has been really one of my primary, I think, factors in what I would say is what's proposing all of these violent reactions to everything. I think that we don't know how to talk to each other without being so volatile or hostile because 
the internet has allowed us that layer of separation to not interpret the effects of our language mm. too, and that civility. Mm. So while I, I do think that we like the millennial generation will learn from our mistakes and we will definitely become more measured with our use of this technology, that's going to come with rehabilitation. And a lot of these people, I think, are hyper-stimulated, even without technology. I think that they are hyper-stimulated in some facet or another that causes them to forge a very partitioned, if not delusionary world, where they don't see the cause and effect of, of their actions. And we have to pay attention mm. and learn from these people because maybe we're not so vicious or irresponsible to be driving drunk and putting people's lives at risk. We still can be plagued with the very same obliviousness or with carelessness to what's going on at a broad spectrum. And us being so divided now and being animus against the people who voted for whomever or who believe whatever is only paving more ground for more confusion, less understanding. And it's up to whoever believes truly that, you know, we, you have to do the right thing. It's up to you, not the other party to just, I, I would, for lack of a better word, turn the other cheek or just grin and bear it or suck it up when you're talking to somebody that you don't particularly agree with because we still mm-hmm. want to hear them and we want to understand and cultivate a greater view of what's going on. And we're mm-hmm. never going to do that just sticking to our own circles that agree with us. We have to start getting out there oh, and disagreeing Lord. with people and getting an open dialogue. That is fantastic. Um that is a that is a good ending point, I think, um, for us today, Alex. I really appreciate that. And uh, uh, you know, just and I think I, I love your comments at the beginning that uh, a lot of this is growing out of isolation and people wanting to belong, people wanting to be connected. And uh, I really think that's where. Um, we can be uh, people of love and of mercy and uh, reaching out to include people rather than exclude them. Um, All of these things we're called to do as believers that is going to help create um, a better society and a better world. And who knows who we might embrace in the process and what we might um, uh, prevent by by just um, including somebody uh, that that normally might have been rejected for one reason or another. So uh, I don't know. That's what I'm taking away from this time uh, together. And... uh, why don't you give us a concluding word? What, what, what? Uh, can anything good come out of this? And and what would that? What would you think that would be? That is a very loaded question. Um, I think that the only good that could come <laughs> out of it, or not the only, but one of the the greatest things that I could shed light on out of this is that people will be closer to their friends and to their family, 
and those of us that have seen the response of, of everything, this was, despite the information being out there, this should be a very unifying moment for us as not just Americans, but as all human beings in kind of coming together to recognize that you can never identify or label a potential threat to your safety. The only thing you can do is just be bonded and union or just join hands with your 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 fellow human being your fellow brother or sister to overcome that and that's what occurred in this vegas shooting had people not worked together and gotten each other out of that circumstance this individual who was so apathetically shooting at them would have taken more lives the thing that we have to use is our empathy to combat all of this apathy and we have to be even more empathetic than what our our constituents or our, our, our opponents would be. We have to really, really. And so what I saw out of it is just more inspiration for us to recognize that people of all, all walks of life came together and we were, we're not being defeated by this. We are going to keep going through these growing pains, but we will keep persisting and, you know, the best thing that you can do is just take it as a reminder that you, you, you never can know what is around the corner. And you can never just say that, oh, well, I clearly know that it's ISIS that's out to get us. And, you know, anybody that looks like this is going to be the, the main villain of my story. It's that it comes in so many shapes and sizes. And I hope that this diffuses people's animus ideas of any one particular threat and they look at more of the the whole and the connection of our faith, our minds, our, our souls, our political ideologies, and us being all a part of the same planet, even if we're not the same species. Mm. We have to, you know, be as kind as you are with your neighbor as you are with your dog. <laughs> Excellent, Alex. Excellent. Thank you so much for lending your thoughts. It, this was uh, certainly very helpful for me. And uh, we'll, we'll talk some more for sure. And uh, yeah. in fact, uh, yeah, we will. So, Alex, always, it's always great being able to talk to you. Thank you again for taking some time with us. Thank you so much, and God bless everybody, and uh, have a great evening. Keep your family and loved ones close. That's it. That's it. Well, there you go, folks. Uh, great conclusion, I think. We've got to keep everybody close. This is bringing people together. Adversity always does that. Let's reach out to those we love. Let's reach out to those who we don't love. Uh, let's reach out to those who are different. Um, and, uh, and, and let's just make sure that we connect in real ways with the people um, who are in our circle, closest to us. Um, let's just grab each other and be thankful that we're alive, be thankful that we know each other and that we can know the Lord together. Um, this, this uh, as Alex said, 
could be a, a, a really unifying experience. So I hope this discussion has helped you. I know it's helped me tonight. God bless you. Um, keep, keep tuning in on Tuesdays and go back over, uh, go back over some of our older talks. We've got some fantastic, uh, podcasts now that have grown out, uh, of these interviews. Um, some fantastic people we've had on, um, all of them are, are extremely valuable and worth your time. So, uh, God bless you. Don't forget the catch sign up. If you uh, are not signed up at catchjohnfisher.com, and uh, you'll get to catch every day. I'm starting a series uh, this week now on the Book of Acts. We're going to be there for about four weeks. It's going to be great. And uh, we're talking about uh, endings and beginnings. So uh, this could be a, a, a good time to join us at the catch. And we've got... We've got church on Sundays. We've got a lot of great things going on. So check it out. Thanks for joining us. God bless you. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio.